Hey, and welcome to the teaching podcast of Calvary Chapel, Newcastle. At Cows, we like to keep things simple. We are committed to verse-by-verse teaching through the Bible to help people know, love, and become fully committed followers of Jesus. It is our prayer and hope that this message challenges, encourages, and equips you to that end. Um, I'm actually doing our scripture reading today as well, so um, it comes from Acts chapter 16, so if you want to turn there in your Bibles or your devices, that would be great. So it's Acts chapter 16, from verse 11 to 40. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothracea, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrate sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who were Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Well, here we are. We are continuing through the book of Acts. And we're up to chapter 16 and doing verses 11 to 40. Now, Dave Dean was actually meant to be here today, but we had to do a bit of swapping and changing. Uh, But you'll see him in a minute, actually. He's going to give a bit of testimony. Um, So our title for the book of Acts is still To the Ends of the Earth. So that's been our title, our theme all the way through, and we're going to continue that 
And today we're going to be focusing on a topic. And as, as uh, Julie went through, you probably picked it up. Uh, it's mentioned a few times. And what does it say? What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Hopefully you have, and you've already done it. Uh, so just a bit of a rundown what we're doing today. Uh, five points. Uh, Lydia comes to know God's son Jesus, is saved, baptised, and a household. Opposition to the gospel. Uh, the jailkeeper and his household are saved. Uh, standing up for the truth, or standing up for truth. And number five, encouraging and strengthening the believers. Uh, so let's pray and ask God to uh, help us to focus our minds on uh, what he has for us today. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe. We honour you this afternoon as we gather together as a group of believers. Would you just still our minds, our hearts, and Lord, would we... Um, yeah, be able to get rid of all those distractions and things that are happening and just focus for the next 30, 40 minutes on what you would have to teach us through your word. Uh, guide us, guide my thoughts, my heart, my mind and put the words in my mouth. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the privilege to have it with us today in freedom and in truth and may we respect and honour you through it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so last time in our teaching, a few weeks ago, last week was church camp, and we spoke about what? What was the theme? Pr prayer, prayer, that's right, good. Uh, so we're, go we're going back today, uh, or last week, sorry, or no, the week before, <laughs> here we go. Uh, okay, the theme was looking for faithful people to disciple and being in tune with God's Holy Spirit. So that was the the uh, theme last, last two weeks ago. And then we saw how Paul and Silas were led by the Holy Spirit to Timothy and they recruited him. They first saw uh, this, this young guy. He had a good reputation. He was a young man with good attributes and he was also recognised in the community. And then we saw how the Holy Spirit, how the faith of Paul and Silas and Timothy was to keep sending the good news out, was to keep going and taking it to people that had never heard. And they also took the, the, the decree from Jerusalem, how Jews and Gentiles are all under the same grace of God and all are equally saved. No, add, no adding, no subtracting, all by God's grace. And then we also saw the desire by that team to forge forward and how several times God just blocked away. And then there was a vision, Macedonian call, come. And so that's where we're going today. We're going to Macedonia. Anybody ever been there? Great. I haven't, but yeah, got one. Thanks, Andy. Macedonia. So I think for most of us, when we make a decision, because remember, they were stepping into the unknown. They weren't really sure, they weren't exactly where they were, uh, didn't exactly know where they were going, but off they went, trusting the Spirit of God. And I think for most of us, when we make decisions, and we make it without all the facts, without knowing everything, it's pretty tough, isn't it? When you've got to make a decision into the unknown, when you've got to move forward, it's not easy, is it? Can you agree? Ever had to make decisions like that? To, particularly when you're in a transition and you have to take your family with you and you don't have everything together and, but you know God is pushing you forward you know God is saying go and we have trouble sometimes trusting God the one that formed us in our mother's womb the one that formed us in our mother's womb he knows the, the beginning from the end we've got all the head knowledge but when we've got to put it into practice right, it's pretty tough. So why do we find it hard to fully trust God with our lives? Why do we find it hard? Is it because we haven't experienced God fully, where we've had to like completely trust him for everything? Is it fear? 
is it that we're not in control? I think that's for me. Like if I'm not in control of everything and don't have everything together, I find it hard to trust God. So whatever it may be, whatever unknown God may be leading you into even today, God might be challenging you or asking you to do something and you're finding it difficult. I want to encourage you. Trust him. Trust God. Is he trustworthy? He is trustworthy. He is. Has he proved himself faithful? He has. So be daring. Trust God. Take a risk. Trust God. And he will not let you down. And if you ever want to talk to the elders or the ministry leadership team about something that God is doing in your life, they're available. Talk to them, I'm sure, and others. We love to pray with you. We love to support you in whatever way God is calling you to do something. So we're going to hear a little short testimony now of uh, a family, Dave Dean and, and Julie. And Dave's just going to, as you know, they've gone into... Julie's working, supporting Dave's full-time ministry. Uh, it's still work. But they've had to go through a transition. There was a lot of unknown. There was a lot of stepping out by faith. So I've asked Dave just to give a little testimony. Hey, church. I'm sorry I can't be with you today. I've been speaking and doing some Q&A in the middle of Sydney City on the subject, Why Bother With God?, and I've been doing that because, as you know, I've recently transitioned from 14 years of full-time engineering to now six weeks of full-time ministry with questioning Christianity. And this transition, uh, it's been a long time coming in terms of prayer and, and waiting on the Lord. But it's also something that I frankly never expected to happen. Uh, as some of you know, um, it, it wasn't that I was just offered a role with questioning Christianity, but it was becoming increasingly difficult for me to stay at my workplace, so I felt like there was a bit of a, a spiritual push um, out of engineering and a simultaneous pull into ministry. And I, I think the Lord needed that I uh, knew that I needed both a push and a pull, because I'm not sure that I would have ever made it um, on my own, would have ever made this, this transition. And I say that for a couple of reasons. Uh, for one, after watching so many people that I look up to fall in spectacular ways, uh, this whole idea of doing, quote-unquote, ministry uh, was just something that I lost the passion for. Um, I distinctly remember talking to Julie about this some time ago and we were looking at 1 Thessalonians 4.11 which says make it your aim to live a quiet life, to mind your own business, to earn uh, your own living and in this way you will win the respect of those who are not believers and you'll not have to depend on, on anyone for what you need. Um, that was my new goal in life, just to get on with living a quiet life but um, when we had this push and pull going on earlier this year then, I, I, I really resisted it. Uh, I was like, Lord, just stop this. Slam this door in my face. Don't let it open. Don't let me become another statistic of somebody that falls. Um, and if I do end up walking through, then I know you're with me. And sure enough, here I am. Um, a second reason that I think I needed both a push and a pull was because with engineering, there's a lot of predictability. And as some of you know, I don't really deal with unpredictability all that well. Um, you know, QI Twitch. Um, <laughs> it makes me socially weird, like I'm being right now. Um, leaving the structured world of, of engineering behind has meant that, you know, day to day, I've had to have a new degree of dependence and trust on God because things are a lot less certain. The nature of the work, um, you know, day to day, um, the, the lack of funding. I only have a 12 month contract, I have no clue. Um, because there's not enough funding what I'll be doing next year, um, this time next year. Um, and what I do have, it's been a 50% pay cut, you know, right now, and we've taken this in the middle of renovations. Uh, I would never have done that if I knew I was going to go into full-time ministry. Uh, and then when you just pile on top of that, you know, all of the hate that you get by doing this kind of work with, you know, keyboard warriors online and all the rest. You know, I don't know if this is the right thing to say, but I, I really do have a sense in which I am now having to hold on to my own abilities by my fingernails. Uh, that's probably a good lesson, right? Um, less holding on to myself and more holding on to the hand of Jesus to lead me by faith into this unpredictable world that he has for me. Um, so, I'm, look, I'm still adjusting to all of this. Um, I feel like Julie and I and the children are all adjusting to this as a family, uh, and there are certainly things I need to do better at. So please pray for me that I will. Um, and that this year, you know, would be one of joy, 
like deep joy, the kind that led Paul and Silas to sing hymns while they were in prison. Um, and please pray for the ministry of questioning Christianity. You know, in the two years that we've been going now, we've helped over 50,000 people in this country connect the Christian story to life's deepest questions through schools, universities, camps, churches, uh, and, and conferences. And that's not including the impact we're having online. You know, I know times are tight, uh, but there is an appetite for the gospel in this cultural moment because of the unpredictable nature and the fragility of the world in which we're living. So as long as there is day, uh, may we get on with the work that the Lord has for us to do. And I pray that questioning Christianity uh, would be able to continue on with, um, or to that end in, in the future. So join with me and, and let's pray for this ministry and for the work of God in our nation. known and they're still in that transition and it doesn't stop Julie it keeps going uh, life in the unknown okay Acts chapter 16 uh, verse 11 and it says therefore sailing to Troas we ran straight course to Samarath and the next day to Neapolis hey Neapolis is that where you're working uh, Natalia is that the pizza place Neapolis? Is that where the name came from? Uh, and from to Philippi, which is the foremost city that was part of the Macedonian colony. And we were staying in the city for some days, and on the Sabbath day we went out to the city to the riverside where, where prayer was customary made, and we sat down and spoke to the woman who we met there. So we know that they were led by the Spirit of God, and then a few days later they enter Philippi, into the region of Macedonia. Now, sorry, I didn't, my, my uh, marking there wasn't too good. So over in the yellow part there, Macedonia, they were over in Troas and they've made their way across and now they're in Philippi. So, if, and uh, if you want to learn more about the Philippian church and what God did there, read the book of Philippians. There you go. And you see what God did there. Isn't it great? We've got a history that's all written down. So getting further and further away from Jerusalem, where the gospel first began, and then it gained momentum, and it's going out to the uttermost parts of the earth. And it has not been smooth sailing, excuse the pun, so far. There's been death. There's been persecution. There's been jail. There's been beatings. There's been relocating. Yet despite all the challenges and even the loss of life, God is still building his church, even today. But back then, God is still building his church even after all the challenges that are out there. Because what did Jesus say to Peter? Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Despite even what's happening in the world today, guess what? God is building his church and he will continue to do that until he comes back again. So arriving in Philippi, they waste no time to find a place of prayer where the Jews meet. And it seems in, in Philippi there was not a synagogue yet and uh, so possibly there was not enough Jewish men to lead the synagogue or just not enough Jews in the area yet. So meeting at a water source was not an uncommon place for prayer for the Jews and without fail get this without fail the Holy Spirit led them to the right place unbelievable hey how the Holy Spirit can do that he does it the Holy Spirit always leads us to the right place and again this is showing his faithfulness to direct in the unknown because remember they didn't know where they were going they knew they were going to Macedonia, but they didn't know what waited for them. And God proved himself. He proved that he is sovereign. He knows what is happening. You ever read the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, by faith? I encourage you to read it. I encourage you to read it, how God led. But it didn't stop in Hebrews. There's still people today, even us here, we are being directed by faith, by faith. Okay, so point one. Lydia comes to know God's son, Jesus, is saved, baptised, and her household. 
So verse 1, uh, sorry, verse 14. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she said, and when she and her household were baptized, she begged us to stay, uh, saying, If you judge me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. So again, just at the right time, at the right place, God has Lydia, a woman who fears God, has a reverence for God. She's down by the river, worshipping the Lord. She has not heard the full narrative yet. She hadn't yet heard about the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he had done. Yes, she knew of God, but she hadn't had the full picture yet, like a jigsaw puzzle, eh? You're putting it all together and bit by bit it all comes in. And so a lot of the places where Paul, Silas and the others went, they were filling in the bits and pieces of the full narrative of the gospel. And so they were meeting by a water source. And there they were. She opens up a heart to the Lord and she hears the gospel. God had prepared her heart to receive the gospel. And there are so many people in the world today that know about God, the existence of God, but they don't know him personally. Romans 1 tells us that a lot of people know about God. They know about his creation, but they get stuck there. They get stuck at the creation part. And then they end up worshipping the creation rather than the creator. But there are still those that believe that, that God exists, but they lack the knowledge. They just need the gaps filled in, just like Lydia. The gaps were filled in, and what? She believed. And the amazing thing, all her household... Remember Cornelius? He was a God-fearer, a Gentile. He had the gaps filled in. God sent Peter there, and he believed, and all his household. As Marie and I travelled around... Uh, South America and, and Africa, a lot of people don't struggle to believe in God. They believe that there is a higher being out there. They believe that, that there is a God, but a lot of the times there's gaps. It's not fully there yet. That's, that's such a great thing about having God's word, isn't it? It's such a blessing to have it because as we read it, and the Holy Spirit uses it. He talks to us to help fill in the gaps. Um, You've heard of the word syncretism? Where people syncretize the, their life and the word of God. And so people can believe in God, but they also can believe in their dead ancestors. How, how God, the dead ancestors, work together to help them in everyday life. Uh, are we syncretized in our world here today? What about us in the West? Are we very materialistic? We are. Can that determine the way that we think and behave and do things and we try and pull God into our way of thinking so that everything goes right for us? We do, don't we? And sometimes we don't even know we do it. That's why we, we're very thankful we've got the Holy Spirit to help us and to guide us. Nothing wrong with having stuff. Nothing wrong with it, but how is God leading us? If God took it all away, would we still say we're blessed? Would we still be thankful? Would we still be grateful to the Lord? Would we still believe in him? So our knowledge of God is one thing, but is it personal? Has it gone from here, as they say, to here? Has it gone from here to here? So verse 14, in, back in chapter 16 of Acts, it says, And the Lord opened Lydia's heart to heed the things spoken of by Paul. It's so wonderful to hear because how many times in God's word did God harden people's heart? But then it says here that God opened her heart to receive the truth of who God is. She heard, she listened, and she obeyed the truth of God's word. So it's obvious that the Lord had prepared her heart. 
just as he prepared Paul and Silas and Timothy and the team to go down there, it was, a, as what I'm calling it, a spiritually coordinated event. Spiritually coordinated by the Spirit of God. And we have seen the Lord do this several times in the book of Acts. Again, with Cornelius and Peter, with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, the salvation of Saul, meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he goes to Ananias' house. Uh, God did that in my own heart. As he did with yours, he prepared the way. People planted the gospel seed. And so eventually it sunk and we believed. God's timing. We can't hurry a person's salvation, can we? We'd like to. We pray for years and years and years, but we can't hurry. I know my in-laws, I said, when is this guy going to get saved? Eventually, the penny dropped. It was God's timing. God's perfect timing when a person gets saved. God has just asked us to what? Be obedient to the call that he has called us to. And as he leads us to people, we need to be faithful stewards of his word. And this is what Paul and Silas did. They listened to the Spirit of God. They were directed by him. They went to Macedonia. And then there they met Lydia and they were talking with her. And as they were sharing, here is a lady's heart prepared for the gospel. It was nothing that Paul and Silas did. Remember, they were just the messengers, the instruments in God's hands to take the gospel, to take the good news. They were the reconcilers. They were the ambassadors of Christ, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5. So after the good news was shared, the Bible says that Lydia and her household were saved. We're not sure always who was in Lydia's house or who she was responsible for, but she was a businesswoman and she would have had a lot of influence in, in Philippi and probably somewhat wealthy because of the trade she was in. But nevertheless, her household was saved. And we say what? Praise the Lord. Somebody got saved this week. Praise the Lord, eh? The angels in heaven are rejoicing. So through her God-fearing life, she influenced people towards the truth of who God is, resulting in God also preparing the hearts for them to receive the gospel. So after being baptized as an outward expression of their inner acknowledgement of Jesus as the Son of God and their Saviour, Lydia is now insistent, hey, come, come and be refreshed, come to my house. The whole area of hospitality again, isn't it? Okay, the second point, opposition. We've seen a great thing. People have got saved, hallelujah. But then what comes? Opposition. Always comes. Do I need to read this scripture again or you got it? Or you can follow along in your text just to save time. You've all read it, eh? And Julie read it. So opposition to the gospel. So it happens often. When truth is spoken, truth based upon the word of God, there seems to be some sort of opposition to it. And you don't have to look very far today, do you, in the world around us. We see and experience opposition towards the truth of God's word. We don't face too much here, but go to Iran, go to Pakistan, go to China, go to places like that, and you're constantly getting opposition towards the gospel. But then what does the scripture say? I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Don't give up. Don't lose heart, as Jesus said to the disciples. Keep going. Keep sharing God's word. Because we had that, the girl, remember? Behind them going, oh, these guys, these guys. Making a mockery of Paul and Silas for many days. I'm just wondering how he put up her for a couple of days. And interesting what she said. She said, these men worship the most high God. So she knew, she knew about God. She knew the God that they were talking about. That seems to be a common factor in the Bible. We read of when Jesus was on earth. He encountered it many times. People knew who he was. 
as he's casting out evil spirits. They knew that he was the son of God. Uh, the disciples faced the same thing as well. They knew. They, well, initially they were created beings, right? But then they fell. So the spiritual realm is real, folks. So just let's not be um, ignorant. Ignorant of what's out there. They are out to kill and destroy. These guys aren't on our side. They are evil. And we are to be vigil. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. Finally, my brethren, so he's saying this to the church in Ephesus, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God, that, it may, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand. What are we going to do? Stand. <laughs> Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, the shield of faith, which you are able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And praying. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful being watchful to this end with all perseverance, supplication for all the saints. Being watchful, being vigilant, because the attacks come, don't they, when you least expect it. He's not going to say, hey, here I am, I'm going to attack you now. He's not going to say that, is he? He's going to come. He's a sly devil, as they say. And I remember when we, uh, when we sorry, another Panama story, but when we lived on the island there, we had some uh, witch doctors that lived there. And because you live in community, you know who's who. And uh, we knew that they were trying to curse us and um, yeah, trying to get us out of there or prevent the gospel going out. And um, Maria doesn't always agree with me with these things, but anyway. But I could sense him coming. So our house was on the water. People would row past and you could, you could sense, if I can say, evil coming. And, and um, he'd yell out from his boat, Undi Togwiya. he say, are you home? Yes, I'm home. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great, Balsimo. Why don't you come in for a cup of coffee? So invite him in. Sometimes he would, sometimes he wouldn't. But we knew he was against the gospel. Not against us so much, but against the gospel. So evil was presence always. And lots of other stories out there. But that's enough Panama stories for today. So then Paul had enough. After many days of this girl hearing the gospel, repeatedly, Paul orders the spirit of God to the evil spirit to come out of her. And then the spirit comes out of God's command. And I just, this would be an interesting topic to continue and to develop but uh, the spirit world as I was saying earlier is real and we need to be watchful, we need to be diligent we need to be mindful that we are in a spiritual battle but don't be afraid has fear ever gripped you because of evil it, ha it, well, it has for me when you know that somebody's on you know, right behind you and the hairs on your, the back of your neck are standing up it's there, it's present but God says, don't be afraid when the attacks come. Always, always go to Jesus. He's the one that can give peace. He's the one, he says, we need to pray to when the evil attacks come. 1 John 4, 1 to 6, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit, whether they are of God, because every false prophet have gone out into the world. But... Uh, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, 
which you have heard was coming and now is already in the world. Now listen to this. You've probably already memorized this verse, but it's a good reminder. You are of God, little children. If you are saved, you are God's child. So this is for you. You are God's little children and have overcome them because he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Do you believe that? Do I believe that? When the moments and the fiery darts come, when the armor's not fully up yet, God says, put the armor up because you're a child of God. So obviously the, the owner of this girl is not happy. He begins losing business, gets people on his side. You ever see how riots and protests happen sometimes? Just a few, then all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of people. So I can imagine this happening here and they don't even know why they're protesting or involved in this, but here they are. So they're in the crowd and the next minute Paul and Silas are arrested. They're severely beaten, feet chained, put in prison, all for sharing the gospel. But what? Does God have a bigger plan? Does God have a bigger picture here? Yep, because you've read the scriptures. Great. The jailer and his household are saved, number three. Thanks, Dan. And again, I'm not going to read it. Um, Hopefully, you'll understand. So after being thrown in jail, they're just licking their wounds. They're feeling sorry for themselves. They're in doubt of their faith. Why did God bring us here to Macedonia? Why did the Spirit of God not lead us to Bithynia? No. What were they doing? Singing, singing and hymns, singing hymns. And they're praying. And as I look at some of the commentators here, they, there's suggestions that it could have been Psalm 113 or 18 or 136. So I've just got Psalm 113 here. And listen to this. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can you imagine saying this while you're in stocks and just after being beaten? Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the going down, the Lord's name to be praised. The Lord is high above all the nations, the glory above the heavens. Who is like our God who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and of the earth? He raises the poor out from the dust. He lifts the needy out of the ash heap that he may seat him with the princesses, prince and with the princess of his people. He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. Well, whatever psalm that they were singing, it brought peace. It brought comfort in the situation that they were in, right in deep in the prison. And even the angels heard it. Sent an earthquake and what? They loosened the chains and the, and the cell doors came open. The keeper of the pr- prison is thinking all is lost. It takes... He is about to take his own life when the Holy Spirit prompts Paul and stops him. And again, the Lord sent Paul and Barnabas to Macedonia for this purpose. They didn't know it, but it's clearly laid out. God had a purpose for Paul and Silas to be in prison, to be at the river where Lydia was. God was preparing hearts. So the jailer runs to Paul and Silas with these familiar words. What are they? What must I do to be saved? Have you ever had anybody come to you and say that? I haven't, like, just like that. Be great. But Paul and Silas' response was clean your act up, jailer. I'd like some food first. Need some medicine for my wounds. You've got no hope, jailer, for what you've done. Is that what they said? No, they didn't. What did they say? You say it all together, come on. 
believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your household. Praise the Lord for a simple message, hey. Simple, isn't it? Obviously there's background that's needed, but it's a simple message of hope, forgiveness, peace and light and life. Folks, salvation in Jesus, God's Son, won't take away your current issue or problems. Did anybody find when they became a believer, actually the, the challenges grew? <laughs> but knowing that you are loved by him forever, no matter what you've done, knowing you are forgiven for your deepest sin, knowing you can have peace with God, until you are taken from this earth, knowing you have a hope, you are secure for all eternity, belonging to a like-minded community, that is salvation. Now I belong to Jesus. There's that, there's that hymn. Now I belong to... Yes, that's it. Yeah. But like the... Um, the jailer, the keeper of the household, there is nothing that we can do to merit that salvation. There's nothing we can do to earn it. It is a free gift. It comes directly from Jesus and is free. So thus the jailer, the keeper of the prison and his household believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and they were saved. Amen. And then what came? Hospitality. Come. We'll give you some food. We'll, we'll fix your wounds. And thus they were baptized, the household of the judge. Again, this symbolizing and expressing an outward, um, an outward action of what had happened internally. So it's evident, it's purely evident that this is a work of the Spirit of God, isn't it? Totally out of man's hand. This is God who's gone ahead, prepared the way, He's orchestrated everything and by the Holy Spirit's power and grace, people are saved. Starting right at Jerusalem and now they're making their way through up to Macedonia. So if you haven't believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you haven't believed in him as your saviour, what have you got to do? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's what's got to happen. So now, Paul and Silas, they're there in prison and they're there in the morning waiting. Our fourth point, standing up for truth. Again, I won't read the scripture, but it's interesting here. The situation arises with Paul and Barnabas and they ask to leave quietly. Just, just get out of here now. So personally, this is a tough one for me because I was thinking, what would have I have done? You got the opportunity, you've been in jail. Yes, people have got saved, praise the Lord, but hey, I've had enough of this place. I'm out of here. And it's not the first time these guys have been persecuted for their faith. What would I have done? I reckon I would have tried to get out of there pretty quick. But Paul and Barnabas, I mean Paul and Silas, being filled with the Spirit of God, stand their ground and using their Roman citizenship card, they demand that the magistrate come to them. Don't send your guys here. I think some versions have policemen, the cronies or whatever you want to call it. Um, we want the magistrate to come here and we want an apology. Pretty bold, isn't it? So they come, Paul and, Paul and Silas get an apology and then they leave, leave the prison. So we're all faced with difficulties. In our workplaces, we could be asked by our colleagues, our boss or friends, uh, we could be sitting around the, I want to call it the smoko table, but we don't call it, what do you, what do you the coffee table, morning tea table. And um, you could be encouraged to go into a conversation that is very sensitive. 
What do you do? I would, I'd like to avoid those type of things. I'd say, like, I'd say it's a beautiful day, and then I'd just move on and try and change the subject. But God might not want us to do that, to enter into the conversation with these people and ask God for wisdom, ask God for guidance to plant seeds of the gospel in that conversation. So it definitely takes the Holy Spirit's wisdom, doesn't it? To enter into conversations like that and not to avoid them. Sometimes we might need to avoid them. Sometimes we just need to enter in. But ask God for wisdom. Give him, ask him for direction. You heard of the Nehemiah prayer? Remember Nehemiah when he was before the, the king and the request came to rebuild the walls and his heart was just burdened to go and help uh, his Jewish community? And he was the cupbearer to the king. And so it says that Nehemiah prayed and then he answered the king. So I've been in situ- I was in a situation like that this week where I, I was sort of asked to enter into a conversation like that about the yes-no vote thing. And it's still a very hot topic and a bit emotional out there. And I thought, what will I do? What will I say? A beautiful day? Change the subject? Or will I enter into the conversation? So I prayed. I did a Nehemiah prayer. And then God gave us actually a really good conversation. And the Lord used that opportunity. So I'm learning. I'm learning how to enter into those conversations and not avoid them. Because I think as we see the day approaching, we are going to be entering into those conversations more and more. With the situation in Israel and Gaza, people are going to be asking, what do you think? I got asked that too this week. And it's like, whoa, what am I going to say? But enter in. Enter into the topic, trusting God. Trusting God. So again, if we were living in Iran or Somalia or Pakistan, places like that, if we enter into conversations like that, planting gospel seeds, what would happen? We'd get the beating. We'd be thrown in prison. We could even lose our life. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, what? Be steadfast. Stand, like it says in Ephesians. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And I think this is what encourages me the most after reading and studying the scriptures, is that God always goes before us. This is where we need to trust him, isn't it? that he will go before us in every conversation as we trust the Spirit of God. He knows what people need when we're entering into the conversation with that person. We don't know where they're at. We don't know what God's doing in their heart. But God is saying, go go into it. Trust me, I'll go before you. I'll put the words in your mouth. Go for it. Go for it. But then there are times to be silent as well, isn't there? So just being sensitive to the Spirit of God. Okay, getting on to the the last point here. Encouraging and strengthening the believers. So they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia and when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Uh, Yeah, encouraged them and departed. So this verse brings the theme that we've been talking about over the last few weeks and it's been developing through the Acts narrative, hospitality, encouragement, strengthening the believers. Remember early in the book of Acts, before the Holy Spirit came, in Acts 1.14 it says, they were of one accord and supplication. They were meeting together as a group of believers, waiting for the Spirit of God. Then in Acts 2.42, they continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and prayer. So this is the early church They were together, they were encouraging one another, strengthening one another, reading God's word together. And Acts 2 continues where they were actually sharing material needs together. This was an encouragement to the rest of the church because of the persecution that was coming. Another example was in Acts 9 when Saul was converted, when he became a believer. He was with Ananias. Ananias was there strengthening him, teaching him, helping him until he went on his way. 
Uh, Acts 10, 48, when Cornelius was saved, what did Peter do? He stayed. He strengthened. He encouraged. He was equipping, sharing the truth of God's word. Acts 15, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, Antioch. What were they doing? Encouraging the believers, staying with them. So let's keep listening. Let's keep identifying the themes in the Acts narrative and see how God may use us to do the same, to be hospitable, to be strengtheners, to be encouragers, to be teachers of the word. Okay, just concluding now then, summary. I feel like a school teacher doing this one. Um, okay, thanks. So God had prepared the way for Paul and Silas to meet Lydia. That was our first point. She came to know God's son, Jesus, and is saved, baptized with her household, and then God will always prepare the way, the way as, um, as we obey him and walk by faith. Walk by faith. Uh, number two, there was opposition, and we know truth brings opposition. But stand firm. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And then we heard about the jailer and his household saved. Again, God had strategically placed Paul and Silas in prison for the salvation of that household. You don't know where God's going to put you, do you? You don't know. Why do we live where we live today? Why has God got us in Jezo? Why has God got us there? That's Jasmine, if you don't know. <laughs> um, standing up for the truth, because the truth what? Sets us free. Standing up for truth. And number five, encouraging and strengthening the believers. The importance of connecting with the believers to strengthen and encourage them in their faith. We all need that, which many times includes prayer, teaching from God's word, a meal. So may God bless the, the teaching of his word today. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word once again. Thank you, Lord, that it brings challenges and it strengthens us as a body of Christ. So I pray, Lord, that your word today will do its work in each one of our lives. And Lord, if we are being attacked spiritually, Lord, help us to stand firm. Help us to call out to you, the one who saves, the one who protects, the one who gives wisdom and guidance. Thank you, Lord, for each person here today. May you give them a blessed week ahead. May you give them strength, courage, help and guidance. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast of Calvary Chapel, Newcastle. If you'd like to check out more of our teachings, please visit ccn.org.au forward slash teachings.